0: So what are the reasons behind investors losing money? That's what we tackle this week, guys, and it's a great podcast because my team and I sit down and run through our own personal experiences. We share what we've learned, the common mistakes, and how you can avoid them at such a volatile time like this. Let's jump into the show.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to Wealthy Wednesday. Today we have Peter Resho and Dominic Neshi, who are Wealthy's co-founders. How are you guys?
2: Awesome. Really good awesome. day today.
1: <laughs> Glad to hear. So today we will be discussing the top 10 ways in which investors can lose money in the property market. So, of course, you are void and, and are successful at investing, right? So I'm going to just jump straight into it and ask you, Peter, if you could start with our first tip of what, how you can lose money.
0: So uh, just as a general rule of thumb, what I've, what I've learned is that you can learn a lot more from loss than from gain, uh, because generally what happens is when we lose as humans, we, we tend to blame other people. Um, but when we gain, we like to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, and when we lose, we go through this realization process where we start to identify why we've lost, as opposed to when we win or when we gain, we think we're experts and we think we're fantastic. So I think it's a great topic, Tiffy, um, that you've come up with, and um, I think that you know discussing this is really really important. And I think for me, one of the issues is that people tend to invest in things that they don't understand, but perhaps. Um, even most importantly is that people tend to sell too early uh, and tend to bail uh, and when they do that it it really crystallizes their mistake rather than being able to give themselves more time and the ability to stay into the market
1: Okay So basically you're saying that whenever you sell because either you're forced to or you panic, that's the first way in which you can lose money
2: Let me yeah. let me add to that Sorry to interrupt, you. so there are some people, there's a bit of a saying that's out there um, and there are three Ds when purchasing something and this is going to be a bit uh, critical and maybe some people cringe, but there's death, divorce and debt. That's when someone dies, when there's, someone has too much debt or there's a, a break in a family union or a, a separation of partners, right? Right. What that means, if you have to sell during one of those three critical occasions, you're being forced to sell or you're you're having to, you need to sell. It's not a discretionary thought that I would like to sell. Um, you haven't got the luxury of time or the luxury of choosing the right uh, purchaser or buyer. You're in a position of Um, maybe desperation or in a position where you have to get out of this asset forcing you to do things you ordinarily wouldn't do. So with those three things in mind that's when you have a sense of panic or sense of urgency and when you're selling in that kind of space that's when inevitably you're going to have a uh, significant price decrease.
1: Makes a lot of sense. And I think we just mentioned two two separate ways. So you just mentioned every single way in which you would be forced and then when you panic would be separate. And coronavirus times could be times to panic, right? And they're not death necessarily or separation and still be a bad way in which you sell and you lose money.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're panicking, if it's just nothing's actually changed, but you're just getting caught up in the... The hype and the emotion of it all and you sell in that panicked frenzied state then um, yeah you're not making a very conscious and very deliberate decision if you're you're forced yeah you shouldn't be working from a position of fear
1: because if you're doing that
2: then you're not making logical decisions
1: and it feels that lately there's a lot of fear in the streets right now so Mm. Dom do you want to go into the next um, way in which you could lose money
2: Yeah, I think that when you don't budget correctly. Okay. So that's that's hearkening back to debt. If you're not on top of your budgets, if you're not aware of your income and your expenses, how much income you're receiving versus how many expenses are coming out of the household, that's when you may be in a position where you actually need to sell because you quite simply cannot cover the interest repayments or the principal and interest repayments on your loan. And if you're in that position and you've got to choose between eating and paying off a mortgage, then the mortgage is usually the first thing to go. And when you're selling in that situation, you're probably happy to take a $10,000, 20000 $100,000 discount, depending on what the asset is.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. So, Peter, what's your next um, tip or, or way in which we can lose money?
0: So Tiffy, I had a whole heap of uh, points to discuss today. But w- what happened is before coming into this interview, I, I did some thinking and I wanted to change them around a little bit. Um, oh, great. <laughs> and, and if that's okay with you. And the reason behind that is what Dom said is exactly right. In 2008 and 2009, Dom and I were both working during the global financial crisis. Um, we saw a lot of people lose a lot of money. And this was early on in our career. And we talk about this almost every day together. And to me, one of the things I learned was um, a lot of people lost money because of the reasons that Dom mentioned. But fundamentally, they invested in things that they did not understand. And when you invest in something that you don't understand, you don't budget properly. You might end up taking on too much debt or you don't understand the, the strategy of your debt and why your debt is there. Um, when a divorce or a death comes up, you might allow fear and emotion to overwhelm you. And because you don't understand that investment, you're willing to let go of it. And so the golden rule that I learned in 2008 and nine is invest in what you understand. And if you don't understand anything well, stay in cash, but don't don't remain there, as I tend to always say, like a broken record – try to put your effort into understanding something, whether it's business, real estate, cryptocurrency, whatever it might be, try to invest time into understand something. And the reason why I love real estate and the reason why Dom and I both ended up in real estate was because we could sit back and fundamentally research something, understand it, so that when a rainy day comes, we're okay with it because we understand that this is a 10, 15 year, 20 year investment, maybe even a lifetime investment. We understand the factors that can drive our investment we understand what's happening around us our pies methodology and everything else and so when you understand that investment you're less likely to sell and that means you're less likely to error um, and you're less likely to lose money um, you know understanding is the ultimate key i believe
2: oh, i completely agree with peter there um with any new fad Everyone wants to jump onto the hype train. Cryptocurrencies, everyone to jump on. When the stock market was booming, everyone wants to jump on. And I have people calling me all the time about, and Peter gets this as well, hey Dom, should I invest in this? The first thing I say every single time is: do you understand it? What does it mean? What's the underlying investment? How does it work? Unless I understand it thoroughly, then it's not gonna, I'm not gonna waste a dollar on. You shouldn't be willing to lose a dollar, two, or three dollars just because you want to take a punt. That's just gambling. That's not mm-hmm. investing. And if you're willing to gamble and lose your money, then you know there's a lot of ways that you can go and lose your money. But if you're investing, you need to understand the asset. You need to understand how it operates. You need to know how money comes in, how debt goes out. How how does the mechanisms at play work? Because what happens is when you're in an environment like now when there is so much uncertainty, you have more levers that you can pull. You have a greater depth of understanding and experts you can talk to and say, well, if this happens, then that will happen. So what are the inputs and outputs? What are the implications of these different movements? So people would be fearful of property now, but realistically, if you can have a look at the government stimuluses and how much cash is being injected into the economy, how much Income is being provided to people so they can pay their rents. There's way less fear, way less uncertainty because you know that the fundamentals at play are being covered for.
1: Okay, so what you're saying is, when you fail to educate yourself, that's when you can lose money, right? So you cannot, you should not be investing in things that you don't understand. And then if you don't understand them, and you want to spend some time gaining knowledge,
2: that's exactly right.
1: Okay. Perfect. What Tiffany, is, wanna, Take yeah, me Tiffany, with another I wanna,
2: one. <laughs> I want to jump in and
0: give you an, an, an analogy about my grandmother who, um, who was illiterate. Uh, she, she didn't go to school. She got married when she was 16 years old. She used to tell us this story when she was alive, and my father still tells us this story. And she understood from a very young age, no education, but she understood uh, the dynamics of real estate. Uh, and so she went and leased a, a, a large house. Um, and she kept a room for her family, and she subleased the rest and She was able to understand this investment and while she wasn 't able to go to school or, or learn or have the luxury of of university education, she went and dedicated her time to understanding one thing really well and she ended up making a livelihood providing for her family and you know and and, and the rest is history today we 're in this country because of of those actions so While education is important, I think too much education is also not a good thing. Uh, And I think what happens when, when we come through markets like this is you have negative news. And a lot of people think incorrectly that the more news I watch, the more informed I will be. But what can also happen is you start to become confused and you have paralysis built in. So some investments are relatively simple. You don't need to over-complicate them. Some investments are very complicated. Cryptocurrencies, for example, are quite complicated. You need to understand the technology, the financial impact, a lot of different layers. Again, let's go back to real estate. And the reason why Dom and I love real estate is because, it's particularly residential real estate, it's, it's not good to be completely blind and naive, but it's also not good to over-complicate. And so I know through my own family history that, Um, You know, we have overcomplicated things sometimes um, and overanalyzed things. Too much noise has come in and and forced decisions to sell when it was the wrong time to sell. And I think the message that I want to give people today is that if you have a really good asset that you understand, particularly real estate, you have a tenant paying you rent and it's working for you, don't panic. Don't overanalyze. Don't overread the news. Be aware of what's happening out there in the world. It's very important. Don't be naive. But don't let it cloud your judgment and don't let negative news come in and generate fear for you to divest that asset and for you to regret that in the next few years.
1: Yeah. And and it's important what you just said that sometimes when we talk about education, news isn't necessarily education and and you don't want to be caught in analysis paralysis. I 100 I percent agree. Now, Dom, do you want to add that? Uh, sorry, add anything or jump into the next one.
2: Yeah, look, I agree with you, again, with what Peter's saying there. Um, keep it simple. The fundamentals remain the same. Analysis paralysis happens to all of us. You can overcomplicate absolutely everything, but bring it back to grassroots. What's the underlying investment? Where's the value in this investment? Where's the growth come from? Does it provide an income? Does the income provide the, uh, cover the debt? If if you're answering yes to a lot of these questions, you know where the value is, keep it simple, don't overcomplicate it. Just invest your money and keep on moving.
1: Cool. And sort of keeping in line what you've mentioned in quite a few podcasts and, and jumping maybe into the next one, which is you've you've talked a lot about following the herd and, and Warren Buffett's quote. Do you want to jump into that one?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we've probably said this quite a lot, and, and everybody out there's probably heard it. By absolutely everyone is trying to sell something, but there is truth in the quote that you know when there is fear, you should be greedy, and when people are greedy, that's when you should be fearful. And that's just quite literally following the herd mentality. Just because everybody's moving in one direction doesn't mean it's the right direction. Um, I like the metaphor that we've used on many occasions. It's You know, when the sale periods are on for clothing, you know, people run to the shops and post-Christmas sale, Boxing Day sales, Black Friday sales, everybody wants to buy half-priced clothing. But when property market comes down or when there's share market comes down, everybody gets scared and runs away. So I think it's just important to be aware of where the herd is moving but not necessarily move
1: in that direction. Makes sense. What do you because think, babe? It could be late to the market, basically. Yeah. Cool. Peter?
0: Um, yeah, absolutely, Dom. Dom. and I shared a video last week of um, Warren Buffett actually talking about the two different types of assets. And for those that don't know who Warren Buffett is, he's worth $75-odd odd billion one of the most successful investors ever, ever. Um, and he talks about two different types of assets. There's an asset that gives you income Rental property um, stocks, for example, the good stocks, not the rubbish ones, um, farms, um, where even if you don't check the price or you don't, it's fine. You still re- continue to receive your rental income um, or your, your business income. It's basically producing something for you. And they're the assets he loves. And then there's other assets that are, you're basically buying with the hope to sell more into the future. And he says that that's speculation. And I think it's very important, you know, when you're looking at your assets to look at, do I have something that is producing me income? And if I do, why should I care what the price of it is today? I should care about the income it will continue to produce for me and where the price will be in 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now. Um, If it's not producing you income and you're buying something like gold, for example, um, gold doesn't give you any income. So you buy an ounce of gold with the hope of selling it more into the future. Uh, and if you're buying artwork, for example, you buy a Picasso for you know, X amount because you think you'll be able to sell it for X plus something else. And so when you're thinking about your investments, don't just look at price and don't just look at what it's worth today, but what it's worth in the future and how much income it will continue to produce me in that period of time that I stand back and wait. I think that's very important.
1: Yeah. So... Basically, when you are selecting certain types of assets where the only plan is to buy, hoping that you can sell them at a higher price, then there is a big risk of losing in any scenario where the price doesn't actually go up, basically.
0: Yeah. And so a lot of friends of mine will call me and say, Hey, hey, dude, what do you think about property prices in the next three months? And I'm like, Why? Why do you want to know? Oh, because, you know, if, if the market's going to down, market is going down, I might sell. I'm like, well, why are you selling? This is generating good income for you. It's likely to be worth a lot more in the next 10 years or so. And we just fall into this trap. As Dom said, we like to buy cheap. We like to sort by price. We like to jump onto Expedia and, and find the cheapest airfares or go to the mall and, and get the best deal. And we have this culture of price, price, price deals. And that's okay for expenses, right? We want to keep our expenses low. But assets don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into com- constantly pricing your assets because assets are long-term. Put them in a draw, tuck them away, and if they're producing you income, they're the best assets to have. They're the ones you never want to get let go of.
1: Perfect. Dom, what's your next tip or thing to be wary of?
2: Listening to your neighbors or people that don't know anything. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, everyone likes, everyone has an opinion, right? But uh, I like to say, and Ray Dalio says this, it's what's the person's believability, you know? Ray Dalio doesn't say that all opinions are equal. Everyone can have an opinion, but doesn't mean that I'm gonna rank it highly. When I'm talking about property or business or finance, Peter's opinion ranks much more highly than, you know, my Uber driver. Not to say my Uber driver might be excellent, but if that's all that he does for a living and he doesn't made or bought any property, he doesn't know anything or rank, Peter ranks more highly than my uncles that bought his own home 30 years ago and wants to give me property advice. You know what I mean? I think it makes a lot of sense to talk to people, to listen to people's opinions, to be aware that you can get great novel ideas from absolutely anywhere. So everybody has value. But if you're looking for knowledge and if you're looking advice, have a look at the believability. What does this person know? How do they know it? Have they achieved anything in this space? Do I want what they have? And if it's no, then don't fucking listen to them.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So... And, and I've taken this advice many, many times where whenever I'm trying to look for someone to advise me on, I'm looking for an expert. I want to make sure that I'm following someone who's in a more advanced stage than I am on what I'm trying to achieve. I, for me, it makes absolutely no sense to take financial advice. Like you have financial advisors who have no investments, right? And they're happy to advise with other people's money and don't have their own portfolio. Like that doesn't make sense. But if you're looking, for property investments, then I'm going to go and look at people who own property investments and know what they're talking about. If I want to, just what Peter said before, if I'm interested in learning about cryptocurrency, then I want to be talking to someone who has been doing really well with cryptocurrency, understands it, and has the time to explain it to myself, right? Like it's people who actually know, not your auntie and your friend who will have an opinion and have absolutely no experience at all. Makes sense.
0: Can I just add to that, Tiffy? Um, You you, you wouldn't jump into an airplane uh, flown by a pilot who's previously crashed, right? And so you don't want to listen to financial analysts and commentators that have been wrong for most of their career. Um, And we have a beautiful tool called Google where every time you hear a prediction by someone on the nightly news, you can go back and Google their name and see what they were predicting two or three or five years ago, you know, how accurate their predictions are. A lot of the investment banks, a lot of the analysts out there that you might think are experts aren't. They're horrible in predicting. They're horrible in forecasting. And we are doing this and we are recording this. So five years from now, Dom and I and yourself are going to be held to account. And you can go back and Google our names and see what we said five years ago. And we're going on record. And so, you know, our, we've got skin in the game. We've got our neck on the line. And so when we do that, we're very mindful. Whereas somebody that's just giving you passing advice, there's no record of that. It's asymmetrical. If they get it right, they're going to say, uh-huh, I told you so. If they get it wrong, no one will, 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 will remember. So be very, very careful about how you absorb that advice, especially for the most valuable thing that you have in your life, which are your assets um, don't let, you know, people's passing opinions, as Dom said, impact the most important financial decisions of your life.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. So what's the next one? Come on, Dom, hit me.
2: Strategy. Strategy <laughs> is a big one. I think that it's easy to, especially in circumstances like now where, you know, a different wind comes in and suddenly you want to change your course. You know, it's important to have a fundamental strategy to understand where you want to go with your portfolio. What are you trying to achieve? Understand why you're making the decisions that you're making. Because if you haven't got that certainty, if you haven't got that strength of character or that clear vision, if you don't know the path that you're trying to go down, if you're not strong internally, then a wind will topple you over. A new idea will send you in another direction. And suddenly you're swinging, swaying, you're trying all these different things that you think are cool, novel, new ideas because it's the flavor of the month and not core to what you're trying to do and achieve. So I think having a good, strong, fundamental strategy that you know and understand and stick to it is super important. You know, you got to do that because you just don't want to fall and keep on trying all these different new ideas. You don't want to be willy-nilly.
1: Peter, 100%. anything
0: you want to add? Yeah, that's that's so beautifully said because if you have a look at one of the most successful real estate investment stories in Australia, it's been Westfield Group. Um, and one of the things I used to do was, one of I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd and what I used to do is I used to read financial reports. And, and what really struck me one day is I opened up Westfield's financial report and they had their strategy right there. Clear, simple, one sentence. Our strategy is to own the best malls in the largest and most populated city centers around the world right one sentence westfield can articulate to you what their plan is why they're in business and that's why they've been so successful and today they're going through hell because the coronavirus has impacted commercial tenancies and everything else but i bet you westfield malls will be there for, for very many generations to come because they've been there for a very long time and they know how to write out a downturn. A lot of investors have no idea what their strategy is. They want a bit of capital growth, a bit of income. They want to flip it. They want to put a granny flat. It's, it's just mumbo jumbo. Mumbo yeah. jumbo. So when we came together to build this business, we called it Wealthy. And one of the first things Dom and I did was we sat down and we, and we defined what it means to be wealthy. You know, what does actually being wealthy mean? And to us, being wealthy is having enough passive income to cover your expenses Because when your investments are generating income to meet your expenses, you don't need to work. We believe that's wealthy and we believe that's a very, very nice aspiration to have. And so it's very important to think, what is my plan? Why am I doing this? Where do I want to go? And how am I going to get there? And once you have that in mind, again, you become a lot more bulletproof and you're able to withstand the storm.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And last week, I had a meeting with a client where I was open and honest and told him I fundamentally disagreed. Basically, this particular person was talking about five different strategies, like running in five different directions. And he doesn't know enough about any of them, right. And he was trying to explain how it all comes down to the best opportunities that come and whatever good opportunity he sees, he's going to pick it. And for me, it's like you can go and find great opportunities in any of those five types of strategies. But instead of you knowing what you're going after, you're running in all of the directions. And I was like, I fundamentally disagree. I think this is the time to define what you actually want. And then you can find great deals in that particular strategy instead of trying to run in a hundred different directions. So I I couldn't agree more with you guys.
2: Well, let me touch on that, Tiffy, because what you said is very important. If you spread yourself too thin, you only hit the surface and at the surface, there's not a lot available to you. It's when you go deep that you really find the deals, the things that matter. When you go really, really deep, when you become a master, when you become an expert, when you, when you go deep enough, that's when you find the stuff that's worth keeping. At the surface, everyone plays at the surface, so it's too competitive. Yeah. You're not going to find the really good stuff in the periphery and you won't even recognize it. Because if you're spending too much time across six different strategies, you won't know enough about all six to recognize that that's a good deal. And that's when you make a mistake. But if you go really deep and you know your craft, you'll see this is good, that's good, that's bad, that's bad. Whatever it is, you can identify it. So good advice to that client.
1: And and also, I, I always had the thought that when you're starting, there is no diversifying. Now you get really good at one thing and you do it great. And as you got really good and can start expanding your knowledge and going into other strategies and diversifying a portfolio, then that makes sense. He's when you're trying to start running five directions without being an expert in any of them. Yet that's running too, too. I don't know. It's yeah, too thin. Like you you won't know and like much about anything really. So So what else Peter hit me with another one.
0: I think we've summarized them. Um, I think fear is really the, the, the biggest issue. And um, I guess this will be my last point is that as human beings, we have so much emotion um, you know, our relationships, um, our physiology. There are so many things that impact our thoughts. And it's very easy to let your thoughts impact and generate fear. And what happens when we generate fear is we start protecting ourselves it 's in our instinct as human beings we like to um, you know, we like to hunker down and fend off fend off anything that 's of fear to us
1: loss um, aversion
0: Pete yeah hundred percent man and it 's just such a shame that if you have a look and, and, and this is through my own experience i 've talked to people that have sold too early, sold at the wrong time. And the reason why they did that was because they had other issues going on in their life, whether it was financial issues in their business, their relationships, they weren't in the right frame of mind. If you get your mind right and if you're happy in in your life, um, then you're able to make more informed decisions. And so don't let your environment and what's going on, particularly at a time like this, we're being fed by the mainstream news media, constant negativity. Take a piece of paper and, and a pen and, and spend twenty four hours doing a tally of how many negative thoughts you're hearing out there in the media and how many positive and how that's affecting you and how that's impacting you and so when you when that clashes
2: with your investments it's a recipe for disaster yeah let me add to the other side of what Peter's saying um, another way that you can lose is by not acting so an opportunity loss is still a loss, but people don't see it that way. So if you've got a great opportunity, if you've got something right in front of you and you don't take it, if you don't pick up that $100 off Mm. the footpath, you've lost that $100, you didn't pick it up, you didn't act. So the fact that, you know, what Peter's talking about, a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of negativity out there, you know, that's normal. That can stop you from acting. If there's too much panic, if there's too much fear, if there's too much uncertainty, people can shell up and then and don't do anything. But this is the time when you need to be invigorated by energy. You need to be proactive. You need to get internal, why your resource and say, what can I do? Where are the opportunities? How can I move? What can I buy? What can I do? Look for the angles, look for the gaps. This is a time that you can't fall into fear. You have to step forward, be proactive and act and do and, you know, create. This is a time not to be passive. So that's I think perfect.
0: yeah. that's, perf- that's perfectly said, Dom. Uh, you actually reminded me. Uh, I forgot to um, mention one more thing and Dom hit the nail on the head that assets or investing is when you're swapping one thing for another. So a house is worth one million dollars. You give up a million dollars, you get the house. And when you sell the house, you're receiving cash. And so a lot of people just focus on the house or the stock or the business. They don't focus on the value of the cash. And cash today is worth nothing because that's why interest rates are zero, right? Now, we need cash to pay our bills. We need cash to, to do different things. But holding cash gives you no return. And so... Think about both sides. A lot of people think, oh, you know, property prices, real estate prices might fall. Yeah, but if you swap property in real estate for cash, what happens to cash? If governments all around the world are just printing money to pay off their debts and stimulate and do all these things to keep the wheels turning, what does that mean for the cash? Because when my grandmother bought a house for a £1,000, today a £1,000 won't even buy me a laptop computer. So the value of that cash has decreased over time think about that part too and dom's a hundred percent right there's opportunity cost in doing nothing don't think that by not investing your cash you're being proactive or, or you're protecting yourself you're not because the value of your cash is going to continue to decrease
1: that's great so what are your recommendations for anyone watching or listening to this podcast this wealthy wednesday what would you recommend them to do
2: Keep listening to Wealthy Wednesdays, reach out.
1: Would you say it's a good time to start setting goals and planning and talking to us?
2: You need to be fucking moving. You need to be doing stuff. You need to be setting goals. You need to be getting your cash ready. You need to refinance your property. You need to get your budget right. You need to reduce your expenses. You need to have your cash ready to go and deploy and buy some good quality assets. You need to be educating yourself. You need to be active and not complacent. Okay, we've had a couple of weeks, maybe a month off. Some people have, you know, eaten more chocolate than they needed to stop training and whatever else. But now you need to start, you need to do, and you need to act. You can't be sitting in your ass anymore. You need to set your goals, get your strategy right, talk to people that know something. Just get get hustling, get moving, be active.
1: That's perfect. And I think that's where we come into play. Like that's where we can help you. We are taking the time right now in talking to a lot of our clients. Some of them are ready to move and 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 seize the day and act on the great opportunities we're seeing in the market. Others are not ready and that's fine. But at least they're setting goals, trying to come up with a strategy so they don't lose focus and planning for it. So if, if you've heard something that you think it's interesting, I think this is a great time for you to absorb it and take action yourself and then share it with others, share this podcast with others, because I think it can help many people out there. Anything else, guys, you want to add before we leave?
0: Um, I'll, I'll maybe say something. I'll hand it to Dom, and then we can, we can wrap it up. Um, yeah. I think life is short, um, and the best, way, the best way to learn is by doing And the last thing you want is to get to old age and regret having not done and not tried. And it's never a bad time to uh, to buy an asset that produces income. Um, We all, you know, we don't know what the future holds, um, but we have history that has shown us that buying an income producing asset, particularly real estate, um, has been a great way to build wealth. And as Dom said, now is a great opportunity to get proactive. Usually when there's a lot of uncertainty in the market means there's less competition for you and um, you know, back yourself, life's short. Um, So understand that we only have a certain time window to make decisions. And we have a beautiful opportunity coming up where we can purchase great long-term assets at prices that have less competition than what they have been and probably what they will be in the future.
2: Yeah, I agree with Peter. All of this, will be over sooner than we think. Um, So don't sit on the fence too long because you get splinters up your ass. Love you all. Be safe. And make sure that if you like something, you should share this podcast with as many people as you can.
1: Thank you guys for your time. And see you next week for another amazing Wealthy Wednesday.
2: Thank you. See you guys. Bye. Peace.